Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's great to see you guys. We're going to be talking about the Bible here. You ready for that? You got one with you? Open it up to Acts chapter 2. And uh, <clears throat> did you guys see the video? Did you guys see Carmen's typo in the video? Instead of life groups? It was, I, I told her, you know, we need to fix that before we show it. And she, <laughs> shouldn't lie in church. <laughs> she comes up to me before the service and says, there's a typo in the video. Ah, go with it. <laughs> it's not like our English skills are what they used to be. So. All right, Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Put your finger there. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a wonderful church here, wonderful people, friendly people, God, and the spirit, just a spirit of joy I I sense here. Lord, as we open up the Bible, let us be encouraged. God, let us be uplifted, but most importantly, let us be built. God, we're being built up uh, by the Word of God to live the life you've called us to live. God, that's that's one of our sayings here, to embrace the life that is truly life. And that life is found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we go on with that particular scripture, I thought we should all watch Mike Dorkin try to switch the drums from right to left. How you doing there, Mike? Um, (laughs) I thought of you this morning, Mike, because I'm literally, it's Sunday morning, seven o'clock and I'm driving over to East Bakersfield uh, to pick somebody up and I see two Kern County sheriffs and they had uh, boxed in a car. I'd never seen that, but obviously the car must have been, you know, chased or whatever. And so it was a red, small red car. It was right over here on, uh, not 178, but what's it called before it becomes 178? 58. 58. No, no, no. It already, it already, I was in the city. Uh, so 24th Street, thank you. And uh, this red car's pinned up there, and and uh, and I, I'm following a cop, and I'm thinking, you know, he was he was speeding, but what's the thought? Hey, if I follow in his wake, I mean, how can I get a ticket, right? I have found out that that does not work. I mean, that is, you know, they you cannot say I was following a police officer. Uh uh-uh. uh. And uh, and so there was this. Uh, there were already two. There was a cop car here and a cop car here and the, and the car there here. So they hadn't completed the box yet. But they were, I mean, it was like, you know, they were out of their thing. And I don't know if they had guns or anything, but they were like shouting at them. And sure enough, that car pulls in and boxes the car perfectly. And I just thought, dude, give up. I mean, come on, you know, you're, you are not going to win this one. You know, there's nothing, you know, I don't know what you're thinking about. I mean, you know, maybe your life is flashing before you, but you are caught, you know. Uh, you, sometimes you just got to accept it. And, uh, you know, as I drove by, I honked my horn to try to, like, say, yay, police. They did not like it. <laughs> I got a look from one of them that was, you know, mind your own peeps or whatever. So I said, okay, sorry. So I thought of you, Mike. Not that you would have ever given me that look. Not that you have ever given me that look. We're starting a small group ministry today. And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of pictures up. And, and for a spoof, I was thinking of getting a picture of me with a bunch of guns. You know, 
I, let me, in that little sign, you know, let me be your small group leader or something like that, you know, just, just all decked out. And I'm like, you know, who here would ever come to that? Mike jumps up, I'd come to that! <laughs> would you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a few pointers while you're at it. All right. You almost there, buddy? You want to give us a little solo real quick? Oh, it's not on. It's not on. Oh, wow. The power of the sound. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about small togetherness, the beauty of small togetherness. And an interesting thing happened. I'm gonna, we're going to go a little stroll down memory lane, a little stroll down through history. Pre-World War II, life in this country was very, very different. It looked the same in some ways. The Grand Canyon was here. The Statue of Liberty was already here. Uh, the Mackinac Bridge, for anybody who even knows what that is, was already built. Uh, so there were a lot of great things that you would have seen inside the United States of America. But one of the things that they had before World War II and then one of the things that faded after was the sense of American community. My grandmother, who grew up in Detroit, in the inner city of Detroit, which at that point was a great, it was like Central Park, it was a great town, a great place to live. Everybody was, uh, you know, had a great economy, great good jobs. And she said something very interesting. If you go down a neighbor, old, one of those old neighborhoods in Detroit, the houses are very close. The front yards are like from me to Tim. Tim's this guy right here. <laughs> and, and every house had porches. You ever, you ever buy, bet into an old house? And they have a big porch. I mean, you're talking like an 800-square-foot porch. Maybe not that big, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, a very big porch. And she said when I was a kid, either while we were waiting for dinner to be made or even after dinner was over, we would go outside and sit on the porch. Dad would talk to the neighbors. Mom would talk to the neighbors. The kids would all get together. And every night we would have a little, you know, before television and you know, she said, in fact, one person got a radio, and you know what he did? He brought that radio out to his porch, and all five, six of the neighbors, we gather around, we listen to the radio on the guy's porch. And she said, there was just such a sense of neighborhood and community. And she said, you know, I, I feel like we've lost that. All my kids now, they have front yards that are like a half acre long, you know, very uninviting. Uh, we used to have white picket fences. Now we've got big fences, uh, iron fences with signs that say, beware of dog. Do you know that 50% of the people who buy those signs do not even own a dog? <laughs> it's a security tactic. People aren't going to mess with you if they, on the odd chance that you might not be lying. You know, signs like no trespassing, keep out. And... Uh, We've really sectioned ourselves off. You know, after World War II, every family in America got a car. After World War II, we began to build suburbs out, you know, away so that after work we could go home and, and we weren't going to be with nobody. I don't want to deal with people. Uh, I was talking to you know, a few people the other day, and, and this was kind of a typical day in their week. You know, they would come home. Uh, you know, get up around 5.30, 6 o'clock and either get to an oil field or get to an office or whatever, work all day, you know, hopefully get home around 5 o'clock, dead dog tired, exhausted, 
uh, get some dinner in them, and then somewhere around 6.30, settle into a couch or a chair and, you know, watch Duck Dynasty. Come on. Come on. Is that not the best show right now? Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> or Dancing with the Stars, you know? That, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know. Now it's not even on one night a week. It's on like five nights a week. You know, anyway. Uh, and, and before you know it, what happens? It's 9, 9.30. The, usually the dude, the husband or the father has already fallen asleep. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 and that's just, you know, that is repeated a lot five nights a week. Now, if you got kids and you got sports, hey, that's, that's going to get you out of the house. Uh, and for some of us who can actually work out at night, I can't. I wake up in the morning, I'm ready to work out. For some reason, at 6, 7 o'clock at night, I am uninspired. Uh, I'm tired. My, you know, I, I just, I don't know. And when I do work out at 7 or 8 at night, what happens? You're up until midnight, you know? So it's, it's the dial down part of the day. And so many of us, we dial down in the chair or in the couch and, uh, you know, I, I know so many people, they pick a couch with TV watching in mind. Now, when I watch three hours of TV at night, is that going to be the couch I want? In fact, when we went couch hunting at, in Bakersfield, they, they said, oh, you got all these couches, but we have a brand new couch. Come check it out. And really, it's not a couch. It's two chairs sewn together, and in the middle... You've got a place to have your dinner, your drink. It's a recliner, and it's two, and you can watch TV, and they're selling it. They're like, man, this is the best TV couch in the world right now, and they're not kidding. <laughs> if you must know, it was at Weather, Weather, Weather Bees. Thank you. On my way, yeah. <laughs> Texting. <laughs> And, you know, completely, I mean, we have, we're almost gearing up our society for it. And yet the interesting thing is, back in the old days, you know what they used to have in towns? They have this every now and then here. They have a lot more back in the day. In fact, maybe one of you older folks, if you want to get adventurous, you can say, I've been to a few of those. They used to have something called, remember these? Parades. Remember a parade? <laughs> Now, some of you say, no, I've been to a parade. Yeah, maybe I've been to one a year. They used to have parades all the time. My grandmother told me when the men were coming back from World War II, every two or three weeks they'd have a new parade of a unit that came home of, of, oh, no, of course, six million men coming home. That is a big deal. But, but you know, they used to have parades. Uh, she said, you know, back in the day, Detroit had about 30 cops for a big city. I said, well, how, how were the neighborhoods kept safe? She said, neighborhood watch. She said, there'd be a man on every, that would pick, that would be their night, and they'd sit on their porch with a shotgun, and they would watch over every other house on the street. And if they saw someone suspicious, what would you hear? Bam. No, no. You don't even need to shoot it. <laughs> you just cock that thing, and they just start scurrying, you know? Because that, there was that sense of community. Uh, when you read the Bible or you read ancient literature, you know what word you do not see a lot? The word 
loneliness. It's just really not there. Show me a major passage of the Old Testament where you, you know, you have a situation of intense loneliness. There's a few, but it's not by choice. When Hagar was sent away from Abraham, she was sent away. She would not have gone. She would have rather stayed with her community. She's out in the wilderness for two or three days and sits down by a rock and says, God, kill me. There's nobody around. I got no food. I got no water. My son's going to die. Just let it go now. Because loneliness and lack of community was completely an abhorrent thought to societies back in the old days. And yet in these days now, and I, I just I see it, especially with the development of technology. Let me, let me just throw this out there for fun. Technology and its effect on us has not really been tested. We don't know what all this is going to do. We don't know what the internet and, and you know, satellite television with 500 channels. And, you know, as we, as we you know, close ourselves off to more and more sociality and community, we don't know what the effect is going to be. But I can tell you this much. Every time it's happened in history, you know what the effect was? Division. Not unity, but division. That's how wars get started, you know, when that distance begins to happen. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about one of the ministries we're going to start to answer uh, some of these issues, and that is the ministry of small groups. And so if you have your Bible, remember I said Acts chapter 2, if you could get there real quick. Uh, Acts chapter 2 this is the beginning of the church, not necessarily the beginning of Christianity. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. Uh, he has spent, uh, you know, a, a good a few weeks now with the apostles in his risen state. Uh, in John chapter 20, he has breathed on them. Uh, that, that's a very big uh, symbolic of God breathing on Adam. So he breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're, they have new life. And, and, but it's just them. About 120 of them or so. And they're sitting in this upper room in Acts. And of course, the Pentecost comes and they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to go and preach the gospel in all of these languages so everybody can understand it. And then Luke gives us the effect of that. He gives us the aftermath of all of this new evangelism and outreach and, and, and preaching of the gospel. And in verse 42, we get kind of what happened in the weeks following the Pentecost. And he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That word is called koinonia. Koinonia, koinonia. Anyway, there was a funny song that's, you know, Garrison Keillor made up over that <laughs> word. But anyway, koinonia, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. There were many wonders and miraculous signs being done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and their goods. They gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Why? Because Peter and John did not stop on the day of Pentecost. They were still going and going and going. Peter gets up, preaches, 3,000 people join the church and become Christians. 
wouldn't you go back the next day and fish some more? Now, how many of you, you, you find a honey hole, you catch 30 rainbow trout in one day, you're going to go back there the next day. So Peter and John are hitting that old, beautiful Jewish temple every day, telling all of these people the good news of Jesus Christ. So they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread, which is obviously another term for communion, in their homes. And they ate together with what? With animosity, division, and irritation toward each other. They hated each other. They just, you know, they just had to do this. It was what God asked them to do, so I got to go over to this house. I got to take this thing. I gotta, blah, blah, blah. What I'm really thinking about is what I can do afterwards. No. Yes. Mine does. <laughs> My Bible does. No. They did it with what? With glad and sincere hearts. And look at this. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Stopping there at verse 47. Here's an interesting thing. They described the new Christians as those added to their number. I like that. They did not think of new people coming to the church as, well, there's the new people and then there's us. They thought, there's this great thing that God is doing and more and more people are getting involved in it. And it's just getting bigger and we're so happy. We're glad it's awesome. Glad and sincere hearts. They're thinking, man, I don't want this to end. Keep praying for me. Keep singing that song. Keep reading that verse. Keep hugging on me. I wouldn't have been that one. <laughs> keep keep eat, feeding me. I would have been that one. Keep, you know, keep. They just could not get enough of each other. So here's my point. The early Christians could not conceive of a Christianity outside of community. They could not even think, they never thought that it was God's plan for the church to have a Christianity that would be separate from the Christian community. From its inception, it was a faith of togetherness. And they had big togetherness, hearing the apostles preaching in the temple, and they had small togetherness, Going not in just one home, but homes, breaking bread, praising, smiling, doing what the kids are doing right now, yelling and screaming. By the time we die, they say that the average American will make 10,000 acquaintances. 10,000. That's a high number. But actually, I believe it. 10,000 people who either know of you or you know, loose affiliation, 10,000. Today, when we die, statistically, how many friends do we have? Anybody know? 10,000 acquaintances, how many real friends? People, people who will move you. Not, not five. Four. Four. Four friends. Four friends. The average person today dies with four real friends. Lifelong friends. I don't mean ones that you make 
in the hospital on the hospital bed. Four friends. And my point this morning is this. Don't settle for a life of 10,000 acquaintances when you can make a friend. What better friend to be made than one like Acts chapter 2, breaking bread in each other's homes or here at the church. I think the point is they got together in smaller bands, broke bread, praised God, prayed for each other, and enjoyed the favor of the community. Amen? Amen. Point number one, God desires us to know and to be known. Chuck Swindoll talks of a story of this kid, really young, young kid who couldn't find a job. So he took out an ad and he said, if you pay me $5, I will listen to whatever you have to say without comment for 30 minutes. Now, somebody thought he did as a joke and a hoax. And, you know, Chuck Swindoll is like, that's a great sermon thing. I'll just put up my sermon. He checked back a few, I don't know, months, weeks, years later, whatever. The man who took out the ad was averaging 15 to 20 calls a day. People are lonely. We have, we have become distant in our community. We don't always have people to hear us. And even when we do have those people, they're so few that if they're busy, you got four friends. I don't know about you, but if I, you know, when I have four friends and I come to the weekend, they're probably all doing something. They're not always available like that. I need more than four people I can rely on. I need like 400 for my crazy messed up life, which is not that crazy, but is messed up. <laughs> so number one, God desires us to know and to be known. In Romania, after the fall of communism in the late 80s, early 90s, there was all of these babies, all of these Romanian babies. And so there are all these relief groups starting orphanages, but there was not enough help. So the babies would be fed, they'd be clothed, they'd be changed, but they weren't held. And what was happening was they were getting sick, they were dying, they were not, they, the doctors invented a whole new syndrome called failure to thrive syndrome. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Failure to thrive, they were not thriving. That can happen in the same way to us as Christians. We can have what's called failure to thrive syndrome. When we, you know, are left on our own, I mean, I mean, imagine we all start out as babies in Christ, right? We, we, we come to faith in Christ, we accept him into our heart, receive the Holy Spirit. You don't know much then. You're, you're like a baby in the world. You're, you're gonna, you're, there's a lot that you're learning and figuring out. And if untouched or nobody makes a friend, I've, I've talked with people. Hey, I, you know what? You came up to me. We prayed for you. You wanted to become a Christian. What's happened? Like six months later, what's happened? I haven't seen you in church. How are you doing? Yeah, I just didn't make a friend in the church. What? Yeah, I just, you know. Now, I know it's a two-way street. That's not always the church's fault. You know, there's a lot of different things. But one thing I do know, if you come into a family of God like this and you receive Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit and do not make a friend, the kind of Christianity you're going to experience is not the kind God wants for you. Cold, 
distant. God wants us to be together in communities of small togetherness and in big togetherness. And in no way think this is great. I mean, I, I will never have this go away. I love getting all together, praising, hearing a common teaching. I see you all hanging out before and after the sermon. That's, there's nothing wrong with this. But as we see in the book of Acts, I see two things. They're hearing the apostles teach in the temple, and they're hanging out with each other at home. And I think that's a great thing. By the way, what they did, you know, uh, home groups and small groups, they, you know, I went, one of the best small groups I ever went to was a, a, a music one where we learned uh, worship songs, and the guy would teach from the Bible what the worship song meant. Most of my early theology came from these old vineyard songs. Can we all agree that in the late 80s, early 90s, Vineyard had some great songs? And, and he would begin to teach all this. I'm brand new. I, was, you know, I wasn't a Christian until I was almost 18 years old. I'm brand new. I'm learning all this stuff, seeing these songs in this home group with three guitars and me on the piano. I'm like, this is great. And his wife could cook. So it was the, it's the perfect night for me. I look forward to every Thursday night. <laughs> She was Filipino, and oh, man, I have just never gone back. So point number one, God desires us to know and be known. Point number two, God calls us to overcome the me, myself, and I syndrome. You may remember the story of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. What does Cain do in Genesis chapter 4? Kills his brother, right? He commits murder. What does God do after Cain kills his brother? Does he come up and like snap his fingers and Cain is dead? No. Does he come up and just start yelling at Cain and rise Abel from the grave and give Abel a sword and let Abel hit him back? No. He comes up and he asks Cain a question. Anybody remember the question? How's your brother doing? (laughs) That's the message version. (laughs) He, He says, where is your brother Abel, right? And what does Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, Cain, you are. You were not made. You were not created to be an island unto yourself. And you may think, oh, poor Cain, he didn't know that. He knew it. Because when God said, I'm not going to kill you, but I am going to banish you, what was Cain's big worry? That he was going to be all out there by himself and someone would come along and kill him. But Cain didn't want to be alone. And he knew the answer to the question. He was just so sick able and so jealous of him. He couldn't restrain himself. He rose up and killed him. But the answer to the question is we are each other's brother's keeper, sister's keeper. Cain had the me, myself, and I syndrome. And when you are in that long enough, you can kill. You can steal. You can hurt. Oh, believe me, all of you are created with an excellent ability to hurt somebody. You get mad enough, you think about it long enough, you plan it out. Man, I bet you you could fillet me like I was an Atlantic cod. Just lay me out on a table. You, I, all of you have, have great ability to do that. I hope you don't. I hope, I hope it's not in you to do that. I hope you don't want, I hope you don't want to do that. 
But the fact of the matter is, when we really think about it, we can throw that whole brother, sisters, keeper stuff right out the door and we can destroy. It's part of the other reason why we need to be in community. Community restrains us. Uh, I, I meet with somebody once a week, sometimes more than that. And I meet with different groups of people and I talk. Sometimes once a month I'll, I'll grab Cannon King, Shannon King, We'll go out, watch, you know, catch a movie, and but I don't go for the movie, especially lately. But I do go for hanging out afterward, and I just, I just say, man, I need, I need some community. I need to get some things off my chest because if I don't, I might kill somebody. Not really, but you know what I mean. I'll probably kill myself. No, <laughs> getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> Point number three, koinonia does not mean passive fellowship, but active participation. A lot of times you see that word translated fellowship or common or hanging out or gathering or assembling, but koinonia is a lot more than just being in each other's presence. The real definition of that Greek word koinonia is active participation in the group. If I get 10 guys and we decide to paint the church together, we're having koinonia together. We're together, we're hanging out, we're having fun, we're painting, but we're actively participating. If I get 10 guys together and we're all painting a church and they're all watching me, we're not having koinonia. Paul specifically uses that word because it had that sense of being actively participating in the cause. How many of you had to read in school Homer's book called The Iliad, which talks about the invasion, right, of, of Turkey? Not Turkey, but it's in Turkey. Uh, Troy. Troy, thank you. And, and you know, what, what does Achilles say to his troops just before they storm the beaches? You know, his, his legion was called, what were they called? Remember, anybody, anybody read the book and remember what they were called? The, the Arr. The lions, right? And he said, we're the lion's den. And he's, they're, they're in the boat. They're just about to storm up the beaches and attack their enemy. And what does Achilles say to his men? He doesn't say, follow me and let's get them all. He looks at me and says, let's have koinonia together. In other words, actively participate with me in going and storming the beaches. And that's the same sense we get with the New Testament, that sense of koinonia is actively participate in the move of God, which is happening in the church. Breaking bread, listening to teaching, singing, praying, hanging out, talking, hugging, eating, cooking, and at times painting, cleaning. Koinonia, it's an active word, not a passive word. Number four. Contrary to popular belief, Pastor Tom is not the only person in the church gifted to serve God. Here is the truth of it. The old, when I was 25, I would never have written that. I thought I could do everything better than everybody. Now as I approach 40, and I realize there are just some things I am not gifted at. 
Try as I may, I, thank you, Dennis. Try as I may, I keep bumping my head. I just am not good at it. But I see other people in the church do stuff. I go, wow, they're good at that. I see other people teach on certain topics. I think, man, I'm going to go to them. If somebody comes to me and they think because I hold the position of pastor that I'm better than everybody to teach on marriage or family or raising kids or prayer or, I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I realize I am not. But I'm starting to see some people who are. Like, wow, if somebody comes to me with this, I'm going to connect them with that person. I become more of a connector because everybody in the church has gifts. I'm not the only one. You do not want me to counsel you in certain areas. Believe me, you don't. There are some areas I wish I could counsel all of you in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that was a little, that was a little sticking out. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us stir one another up to love and good works. It doesn't say, let the pastor stir us to good works. It says, let us stir one another to good works and love, and not neglect to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day draw near. Next point, Pastor Tom is not the best person to do every ministry in the church. And the last but not least, the goal of the church is building, growing, enjoying, and adding, adding to our number. And part of that adding is getting in community, having koinonia. Koinonia. I really like that word. Praying for one another, knowing one another. Even in a church as small as ours, we can come here Sunday in and Sunday out and not get to know anybody. I'll finish with a verse. John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to show a slideshow here. Uh, some opportunities we have in our church to get into some smaller groups. Now, by all means, if you would like to start a group or you would like to get something going, we're not limited to just the people here. Um, the only real change you might see is Kirk Hessler used to be our men's pastor. And uh, he has asked Lorenzo Batello to take his place. And so uh, Lorenzo is uh, trying to work out and again, this doesn't necessarily, I know there's already been like a Tuesday night men's Bible study, and uh, he's not necessarily trying to end that, but he's, he's there's a, kind of a group he wants to get the men together, uh, kind of an outreach group, a service group, uh, get the guys of the church painting together and stuff like that, uh, as well as uh, some other things. So here are some options. These aren't the only options. 
there may be more here. There aren't less, but there may be more. There, you know, I would love to see small togetherness groups just begin to spring up in each other's homes. I know that five nights a week, we're just tempted after a long, hard day at work to just go home, put some cucumbers on our eyes, and settle in for a nice long night in the couch. So here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to only do that four nights a week. I know it's going to happen. I'm not going to be unrealistic. But I'm asking you only to do it four nights a week, that one night a week, whether it's coming to one of the Bible studies, coming to the prayer group, coming to one of the home groups, joining the worship team, one night. We have koinonia together. We get together with glad and sincere hearts and enjoy one another. So next slide. Uh, Bill and Joy Wright and Kirk and Jill Hessler, they're starting combined. And uh, they're going to be Wednesdays at 7. And they're in Northwest Bakersfield. I probably should tell you a little bit about them. Uh, Bill is unexplainable. But Joy... <laughs> Joy is a vice principal at a middle school. So if you want some help there, uh, yeah, she's, she's slowly going nuts too, but we give her grace. Uh, Kirk and Jill. Kirk works for a bank, so if you need a loan, you get a credit card, all that kind of stuff, uh, that's the small group. You can go hit them up for that. Uh, Brian and Ann Littlefield, Tuesdays at 7, and they're what I'm calling West Bakersfield because they're in between that rosedale stockdale region and so they're going to be tuesdays at seven and uh, i haven't had a chance to talk to i don't know if david moore is here or not but if the men there might be a men's bible study tuesdays at seven uh, not sure about that yet but we have had that in the past brian uh, works for chevron so if you want to you know go complain about the price of gas or something like that that's the small group to go to you can just rail them every week on that Get some free gas, right? <laughs> Get a Chevron card out of them. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Um, next one, Carol. Uh, Carol has started a small group. It's Thursdays at 7. You're full. You think you're full. You just think you're full. But uh, 14 people. <laughs> My first small group was 40 people. No, just kidding. <laughs> We, we can always, we, we can always uh, split groups, and uh, Carol may just have to do two groups. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Tom. Um, uh, yeah, you know, do some little horse trading, you know. Hey, I'll trade you this guy. <laughs> Tom and Peggy Ward, uh, they are going to be Thursdays at 6.30. I, that's just a major typo there. So they're not Wednesdays at 7. They're Thursdays at 6.30. And uh, they, they are a um, wonderful couple, and uh, they're ready to go and hang out and do exactly what we just talked about today. Mike and Jamie Havens, they are fr Wednesdays at 7. I must really like Wednesdays at 7. They are every other Friday at 7, and they are focusing on families. Uh, and they're in the northwest here. And then the next one is uh, some of our groups. Uh, men's, again, Lorenzo's, this isn't set in stone. So kind of we'll wait to hear uh, what comes of that. I think he wants to meet with some of the leaders, see if Tuesday is going to work better because there was a Bible study that night. 
or uh, whatnot, but I think his goal is to try to get to Wednesdays uh, here at the church. The women's, there's three different Bible studies kind of in the works there. Monday's at 7, Wednesday's at 6.30, Friday's at 9 a.m. And then uh, Bud and Shirley are going to head up a prayer group here, intercessory prayer group here on Wednesdays uh, at 6.30. And so uh, if you're interested in that, uh, they're going to be doing that as well. That one probably has the most potential to develop into what many of you would think of as a midweek service. Uh, wouldn't be very big, but uh, we would have worship and things like that. And uh, so anyway, uh, you have in your bulletin a sheet. And if you're interested, and I really hope you are, I've tried to make a big appeal. Oh, yeah. And Tim. Wait, Tim. Everybody get to know your name. Uh, does anybody like to sing? Anyways, we have a small group that we've been meeting off and on. Well, we've been meeting consistently for about four years, and people come and go, but uh, we used to meet at a private home, and now we're going to start meeting at the church. We meet at two, We meet on Tuesdays around 6.30. Every Tuesday? Every Tuesday at 6.30, and uh, we sing bluegrass and gospel music, so if you're interested in singing, if you're interested in playing an instrument, and we try to keep it contemporary, we try to keep it bluegrass style so no drums uh, no harmonicas so uh, you really need a fiddle player so if there's any violinist like that that would be cool awesome yeah anyway so everybody's welcome we meet here and uh, we have a great time there we go anybody else starting one that i don't know about <laughs> just stand up and we'll let you go for it um that's a neat one uh and by the way with the gospel bluegrass fest that would be a great way to uh get into that so uh anyway at the end of this uh jerry bazell would you stand real quick he is going to be heading this up (laughs) i've had that said to me uh he's going to be heading that up so if you have any questions uh the phone number is on there circle one of the groups if you're interested even if they're full we can figure out a way to uh, you know, work around that, but circle one of the groups if you're interested, and uh, we'll we'll get this thing going, and you can uh, experience the uh, vision of the church that I believe is something of the Lord. So why don't we all stand together, worship team, come on forward, and we're going to finish with a song, get you out of here, and uh, 49ers today. <laughs> <laughs>